When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is December 29th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great, great day, great week. Hope you guys had an awesome Christmas and a very happy holidays. Um, I know I did very... uh, not as as populated, so to speak, as a normal Christmas Eve and Christmas would be. My family, the party we throw is Christmas Eve. And obviously this year, there was no party. It was a party of me, my mom, my dad, and my sister. Um, so it was uh, not anywhere close to uh, what Christmas Eve normally is or what Christmas normally is, but still had a great time. Um, and hopefully you guys uh, did as well. This is the, By the way, I just realized as I was sitting record on this, this is the last episode I will be doing of 2020 and thank god i mean has there ever been a year in the past and maybe some of you personally have had really terrible years um i'm just young those years have (laughs) those years haven't hit yet um but you know have you already this feels like a year that for everyone for every single person everyone wants 2020 gone like even though even though technically you know 2021 is still you know still will have the same amount of days and you know, it's still the same week and stuff, but just how badly do you want this year to be over to just kind of be like, Hey, 2021 fresh start, fresh start. It's a hockey season, you know, basketball is underway. Uh, you know, the vaccine starting to get distributed quick, uh, quickly. So it feels like everyone wants this year gone, including myself. I want 2020 gone from history. Just blow it up. Goodbye. Um, I cannot wait for it to turn to 2021 and kind of leave all this in the past. Um, and we can, you know, we'll spend 2021 fixing 2020's problems, but uh, nonetheless, it'll, I think it'll be a much better year. And I hope it'll be a much better year. Um, and before I get into the episode, I want to just say thank you to everyone for supporting the show uh, for all of 2020, for sticking with us, for sticking with me. Um, you know, you guys keep this show going. And it means the world to me. It really does. Um, it's been almost two years with this show, and it has been tremendous interacting with you guys on Twitter and Facebook. And, you know, obviously we've all been through a lot this year, but um, hopefully Bruins Beat has provided 30 minutes of, uh, you know, a, kind of a break in the action of life for you during the week. Um, and I, I hope I can continue to provide that and provide it even better as hockey comes back. So in this episode, Connor was on again. And we discussed Mike Hoffman signing a professional tryout contract with the Blues. And we also discussed why Zeno Chara is probably definitely most certainly gone. Um, before I get into this episode, 
Uh, first, of course, uh, no matter the year, I have to tell you about my good friends over at betonline.ag. NFL football continues on this week, and which is a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. No matter how schedules change or players play, BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else online. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. So the fun part about that is now we also have hockey uh, that you can bet on and basketball. So you enjoy those. Now, without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. <laughs> And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing swell. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, this is a weird episode for me because I'm on a different laptop than I normally am. My laptop's in the shop. Somehow Apple got me a free battery and keyboard because it's the same thing. And somehow I get it for free. I will take it every time. So Not I'm too bad. My sister's, I know. I'm using my sister's MacBook. It's a little older. Uh, maybe I don't look as great for YouTube. I, my apologies. I look white, all white. Uh, I look like a ghost, but for those who are on YouTube, one of my Christmas gifts was a Seattle Kraken sweatshirt. Oh, very nice. Yeah. My, my new team. This is my new team, the Seattle Kraken. How was your Christmas? It was swell, you know, pretty low key, uh, as I expect probably most Christmases were for people all, all over North America and Europe. We only had 45 people. Oh, oh, typically good. we have like 80 that's good. I'm glad. Only 45 this year. I'm glad you used some restraint there, Evan. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty low-key, but um, no complaints. Got a few nice things. Got a new L.L. Bean sweatshirt. Uh, nice. A couple of things here and there. So, no complaints on my end. Did not get a Seattle Kraken sweatshirt, though, which, I mean, I think seems like you've won Christmas. I guess I have. I've always been a big fan. Of, my dad pointed this out. I've always been a big fan of new logos. When the Winnipeg Jets came in, I got a. I was like in seventh grade, so I got like a Winnipeg Jets jersey with my name on the back. I'd wear it at practice, and that was like my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, like obviously the Knights logo, I love. I always like the new teams. Yeah. I don't know why. Just they're cool. You know, they're. I want to well, jump on the bandwagon early. It also helps that. You know, the Seattle Kraken, they're rumored to be that for forever. And people are like, ah, I really don't know about it. And then they, like, drop the logo, and everyone's like, oh, okay. Like, this is pretty sick. Like, especially, pretty sick. Like, especially the one with the, um, like, their secondary logo where it's, like, the anchor. But it also was, like, the Space Needle up top. I'm like, all right, that's, that's a pretty clean look. And, see, it's got to be so fun to, like, be on that team to help design uh, for a new uh, team. Because it's like, you, you, you can do whatever you want. Like, you're not bound to original colors you're not bound to original things you just do it like mm-hmm. I, I to me that seems so much fun um and it's funny the athletic recently did like a, a mock draft on who the kraken will take um and it might be an underwhelming team but but um i still think there's potential they could do some trades obviously kind of like the vegas golden knights did but um at any rate this isn't kraken beat it's bruins beat so we gotta talk uh, a little bit about the bruins and there's not a ton. We're not going to sit here and pretend that there's a lot. Uh, obviously, training soon there will be a lot. And you can go make sure to go subscribe over at Bruins Rinkside on YouTube and go subscribe to bostonsportsjournal.com as well. Uh, but Mike Hoffman, Sunday night, goes to the Blues on a professional tryout contract. Imagine, like, you're thinking, oh, my God, this is my big free agency. This is my year. This is my time. And it ends with you getting a professional tryout two weeks before the season starts. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those situations where I think you 
get the initial news. Like I think it probably popped on all of our phones and we're like, what, what the hell? I mean, I mean, we expected that given how this offseason has gone for not just him, but you know, tons of free agents. I mean, there's still like, I, I read somewhere, I think there's like 50 players who played in at least like five games last year in the NHL that still don't have a team. And again, we're, I mean, a couple of days away from camp opening up for some of those teams, like the Kings and the senators and a few of those clubs that didn't go to the playoffs last year. So it's definitely kind of a, a statement on just the way this market has gone that a guy like Hoffman is signing a contract like that. Um, it's also, I think, one of those situations where I think you then take a step back. I think a lot of Bruins fans were ready to unload on Twitter yesterday, right? Because, I mean, how long has Mike Hoffman been linked to the Bruins? Especially you look in the last few weeks where these free agents are getting desperate. The Bruins, uh, you know, you could use another top six guy, especially if he's available for a, a dirt cheap contract. Um, and then you have Mike Hoffman go to the Blues for a PTO where, I mean, he's just, it's pretty much you just show up. It's really all like a PTO really. You show up and try to make a spot. It's almost like, uh, you know, a, a guy you sign right for a training camp in football where he's trying to just make the team. And you got Mike Hoffman, who's had what, six 20 plus goal seasons between Ottawa and Florida. So, Worthy of um, being on a team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but I think you then kind of take a step back and you kind of look at the way St. Louis is kind of structured. And it seems like it's more of a, a situation where uh, Doug Armstrong and the Blues are more doing cap gymnastics than it is, you know, the Bruins and any ever, every other team in the NHL looking at Mike Hoffman being like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're good. We won't offer, you know definitive money against this guy who hasn't been scooped up yet. Like, I think it's more of that situation than it is, um, you know, a situation where the Bruins just were like, yeah, Mike Hoffman, one and a half, two million. Nah, nah, we're good. We're, we're going to keep, we got Greg McKegg. We've got a few of these other guys that are going to slot in. So we should be fine. But um, you look at kind of the way St. Louis is structured. If they pretty much wait to the start of the regular season to put, both Tarasenko and Steen on long-term IR that allows them to then exceed their cap, their, their upper cap limit of 81 and a half million. So you wait till the season starts, you have those guys on LTIR and then you sign Hoffman to a contract, which you'd expect if he's signing a PTO that he probably has a deal in place. Right. That's what I was um, thinking. Cause you were not getting a guy like that to agree with PTO without a deal in place. Yeah. Cause especially on a PTO, he can still sign a contract with other teams right now. But the fact that he's there in St. Louis getting ready for the season, again, it's not like, uh, you know, a team like Nashville could just sign him and he's like, all right, bye guys. Peace. And like, you just leave. Like, <laughs> it's not, kind of fun. I'll see you uh, later. Yeah, it's not really that easy, especially this year in terms of traveling and quarantines and stuff like that. So I imagine it's pretty much like, Hey, we've got this contract for you. Um, you know, we can't sign it officially, but show up start shaking the rust off during training camp, you know, get up to speed with your new teammates. And then January 13th or around there, we signed that contract. So I think for Bruins fans who are understood, you know, upset about losing out on Mike Hoffman, let's wait to see what the actual contract is because if it, if he signs for two, two and a half million, then I think Bruins fans are going to be like, all right, what the hell? Like if he signs something like that, but if he signs for four, four and a half million dollars, then you have to be like, all right, well, the Bruins didn't have that available or they'd have to, you know, do some cap gymnastics of their own. What are you going to do? And again, I'm not a big Mike Hoffman guy. Um, again, it, if he was available for a cheap price, sure. Why not? But 
I think we, we should hold out and wait to see what contract the Blues have for him. Because if it's four or five million dollars, then what were you really supposed to do there? Yeah, I know exactly. And I think that that's something that I think a lot of people like. This is not. I, I don't think the reason the Bruins didn't pull the trigger on Hoffman. You know, he's been sitting here for months. This is not like you know Sweeney just forgot about him. I think there was a definitive decision from them. Maybe they're going younger. Maybe they just want to save that money. I mean. Typically, Sweeney likes to have a little bit of cab wiggle room, and obviously getting a guy like Hoffman would not have helped with that. Um, but you're right. I mean, if he signs for one or two million, this is another deal where you're looking at and you're going, what's going on? Like, why don't you want that? Like, what, right. what, what deterred you from that, especially if it's short term? You know, if Hoffman ends up signing like a one-year, $2 million deal with the Blues, it's like, what, what is going on here? So to me, I mean, you look at, you look at a guy like Hoffman and – I think is you know he would have made sense short term here, um, and you know again if it, in some weird way he doesn't make the team in St. Louis, maybe then there's a chance again. But I don't think he's not going to make the. I think he is definitely going to make the team. Um, but yeah, I saw that notification on Sunday night, and I was like, what? what? Yeah. Is, is this the is this the the Mike Hoffman? Like, mm-hmm. is this some guy like from you know? Cedar Rapids Griffiths or something like that just kind of like just, he's, a just, he's just just one F in his name. It's like Hoffman. It's, Hoff, he's Hoffman. Like, he, it's, it's some Finn or something like that. Yeah, like Michael exactly. Jordan on the Hurricanes a few yes, years ago. Yes, exactly. The Michael Jordan. But yeah, I was baffled by it. Um, and it kind of makes you wonder, I mean, what's the direction uh, of this team right now, uh, the Bruins? And, you know, you have your, you know, to start the season, you know, you're not going to have Pasternak. You might have Marshawn. There's no real clarity on that yet. Uh, I think that'll kind of become a little bit more clear as training camp takes place. But, you know, you're, you're starting without Pasternak for probably a month. Uh, Marshawn is at least going to be back probably within the first week or two, I would assume. Um, and then the rest of your lineups, rest of your lineup. Like, this seems like the crew you have going into the season. This seems like this might be final. Now, to add on to this, uh, David Pagnota, the fourth period, reported uh, on Sunday, Boston's among the teams with interest in UFA left defenseman Ben Hutton. Yes. Ben Hutton, um, and just uh, stealing, is, just stealing that those headlines from the Celtics and Patriots of the Bruins going get Ben head. Hutton. Shake, shake my head. You know, so, such a, you know, I, when I saw that, I said, Connor, we got to make fifteen videos about Ben yes. Hutton. We need to write millions of articles. We need to make up funny tweets. Ben Hutton, Ben Hutton, Ben Hutton. The reality of that is, well, okay. There's one takeaway I have from the Ben Hutton news or mm-hmm. the Ben Hutton rumors. Feels like Char is not returning to the Bruins. That's at least how it feels at this current moment. Now, we have both, ex- we have everyone's experience in the past year a top Boston defenseman feeling like he's coming back, and then management speaks a little bit. There's rumors out there, and then you're like, oh, they're not coming back. And of course, we're talking about Tori Krug. Now, with Chara, it does feel, given Neely's comments last week and given the Ben Hutton rumors, does not feel like Chara will return. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those situations where I also think the Bruins are kind of waiting for Chara to make a decision on what exactly he wants to do. Because, I mean, the ball is pretty much in his court. If he doesn't want to play, then obviously that, and then they have to do their due diligence and look at a guy like Hutton or the Explorer. I think Fleur Shinzawa said the Bruins were also exploring the trade market, which you expect there might be a few kind of uh, moves on the table for a few teams right ahead of training camp, especially as teams are trying to balance out their cap and, and moving some pieces around. So I think this, these rumors about Hutton, it's just the Bruins kind of 
leaving no stone unturned in terms of doing what they can to add some extra bodies in that decor, which again, it seems like they're committing to a youth movement this year, but you still want at least some stability or at least some safety net, right? In case guys like Zaborl, Zaborl or Vakanayana don't pan out. And I'm sure they're expecting some of those, you know, bumps in the road that come with these young guys developing up in the NHL. But let's say we get to, you know, the middle of the regular season and it's just those guys just don't have it or they, it's not what you, they're not providing what you need for a team that's hopefully trying to go deep in the playoffs. Um, then you need at least some guy like Chara, obviously, or even a, a guy like Ben Hutton, who, again, it's not going to steal headlines, was pretty solid last year with the Kings in uh, kind of a, a, a second pairing, third pairing role. Like he's, he's not uh, like a surefire thing. He's not getting a guy like TJ Brody, you know, one of these top left shot teams that are on the market, but he could at least be probably a serviceable guy that, um, you know, could, could fill in, whether it be on the PK or, you know, he's a guy that can at least give you 17, 18 minutes of solid hockey a night and probably do pretty well. Um, so I, I think you look at what the Bruins are tagging there and a guy like Hutton, I think it's more or less them doing their due diligence because it seems like they just don't have a definitive answer yet from Chara and whether it be, he's not sure if he wants to go through a, another season. Um, given how challenging last year was, or maybe he's not too keen on what his role on this team would be, which is probably you're looking at third pairing minutes, maybe doesn't play, you know, the second leg of back-to-backs, you know, it's some of the Bruins, I think, be wise to do in terms of managing a 43-year-old guy like Chara coming off of a, a season um, kind of that's all been thrown out of whack in terms of scheduling and, and the amount of time off and stuff like that. Um, but it seems like kind of the balls in Chara's court to decide what's next. And if he's, you know, unsure or if he's looking elsewhere for maybe more, you know, defined minutes, then it shouldn't come as much of a surprise that the Bruins are kind of looking at every option. Cause the last thing you want to do is just open training camp without at least some form of safety net there on defense. What I'm most excited for is when opening night comes and the Bruins release their lineup charts and Chara McAvoy is the first pairing. It's going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah, really? we, did, we, we did this whole offseason for, for nothing has changed. No reason. This is the same team. But, I mean, you meant, you talk about Ben Hutton, and, you know, it does seem like he's just a solid, you know, you know what you're getting, left-shot defenseman. You have to wonder, though, I mean, is that kind of what you have in John Moore? I mean, John Moore, yes. obviously, most people are down on. But the truth is, I mean, if you wanted to roll him out every night and you gave him consistent minutes – he could kind of hold his own. I mean, he's proven in the past he can do it. You know, like you can roll him out there on the second or third pairing and, you know, chances are you'll be okay. Is he the, is he the best defenseman out there? God, no. But yeah. for, in terms of serviceability, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like with Hutton, that's sort of the same thing. So it's like, do you have that already in John Moore? I mean, if you're going to roll – now, granted, I'm not an expert on Ben Hutton. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I can definitively tell you that Ben Hutton is going to come here and be John Moore or be way better than John Moore. Yeah. But it feels like that's kind of what you already have with John yeah. Moore. Um, I think it's one of those things where the it's not sure if he moves a needle enough in terms of – you know, it would be one situation if uh, a guy like Eric Gustafson or someone was available, a guy who – everyone forgets scored 60 points on that bootleg Chicago team. So not yes. saying that he would do that here, but you at least look at that and be like, all right, this guy can, you know, he might be all offense, but he gives a different wrinkle that if we add him to the mix on a cheap deal, 
he's another body we can put in there and see where he fits. Ben Hutton, as you said, it's kind of like a, a John Moore where, uh, and even I think you look at John Moore's numbers when he's with the Devils, they were probably pretty encouraging too. And then I just looked; it was this, they're, they're very they're very similar numbers. Yeah. In their so first couple of years. So does Ben Hutton really move the needle? I'm not really sure if if that's the case there, other than the fact that he's just another warm body that if more struggles or if you know Vakanainen or Borel have some issues, he's at least a guy you can slot in there. So. Um, that's, I think, kind of situation with the Bruins, which, again, if Ben Hutton signs a deal with the Bruins, not bad, but also, like, I don't think that's a situation where all of us are like, all right, well, the decor is all set, right? Like, it's not like a defense. Oh, they're good now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It feels like to me, I mean, if they go out and get Hutton on D in the, in the, you know, the bottom bunch, Mm -hmm. it's just like the hallway of mediocrity. Mm -hmm. Like, you think about that. I mean, you're going to have John Moore, Kevin Miller. Ben Hutton, uh, you know, you have, Sin- uh, not Sinishin, Zaboral, uh, um I'm definitely forgetting someone. I mean, you have Lazan and Clifton as well. But it's like the, you have the hallway of unknown and the hallway of just mediocre. And it's like, I don't know. You don't have a set six. And I get it. It's fine. You know, you can obviously figure that out as the season goes on. You have to think, I mean, if you throw enough shit at the wall, something's going to stick, right? I mean, you know, if you roll out Clifton uh, Lazan, which they're high, who they're very high on Lazan. So I expect him to be used in the top four. Um, and you roll out Zaboral and Vakanainen and John Moore and Kevin Miller. And if you get him Ben Hutton, evidently a couple of those guys are going to play really well or play well enough to, you know, earn minutes. Um, but it's tough because it's so hard to project that stuff. It's not. And if you're not giving them consistent minutes, that's also not easy for them. I mean, I think if you gave John yeah. Moore, and we've said this all off season, there are lots of teams John Moore would be a consistent defenseman on. And he'd probably put up fairly okay numbers, and he'd probably do okay because yeah. he's getting consistent time. But you don't get that with the Bruins if you're John Moore. And it feels like it'll be the same for Ben Hutton. And I think it's also a situation where I think you have to be uh, cautious of not handling this decor where you've got a lot of pieces, right, where you have to figure, all right, we, we throw enough of these guys out there, it's going to stick. It's not like – how some NFL teams or how people maybe view building a roster in the NFL where it's like, all right, you don't have to invest in a, a first round pick for a running back. Like every year there's four or five random dudes, right. Who get 800 plus <laughs> yards and you just slot the guys in the, you plug in the pieces and it works out. Like we saw last year, right before um, Jeremy Lozon settled into that third pairing role, they really didn't have an option there. It was Grizzly and a few other guys are rotating in and out. And you saw, whether it be, you know, more struggling or him being on the shelf or Clifton struggling, how much that kind of impacted that whole decor. Cause they didn't really start settling into a, a groove going into January and February until Lausanne was called back up and really kind of solidified that spot. So if you run into that situation again, where again, we figured that Grizzly's going to be higher up in the lineup and you have uh, Zaboral and Clifton and both those guys are struggling, then, I mean, you've got a, a 30 year decor out of whack, right? Like it's, yeah. It's a situation where you can't, you know, this is a team that you're hoping is going to go deep in the playoffs. They're hoping to. I mean, it's one of the last chances they have with this veteran group. All the points are going to matter a lot more now that it's 56 games. You can't have uh, a, a faulty defense that you just have to play your way through, um, especially given the stakes of this year. I mean, you get to roll the punches, I guess, but it, it's not an easy situation where you can just overlook that based on, 
because you have you know McAvoy and and Grizzly holding their own up there, and even then you got Brennan Kahlo, who I think is a good defenseman, but he doesn't have a set uh, partner too. So uh, again, kind of whichever way you paint it, uh, it still seems like it's a, serious, a situation where we're going to have a lot of wait and see and seeing how some of these guys progress. And again, who knows? We we go to camp and. Zaboral or, or Vakanainen look great, or Lozon takes a big step forward. That's great, but I don't think even the the Bruins fans, you know, viewing this roster with rose-colored glasses, can look and be like, "All right, we know for a fact that Lozon's going to have average 20, 20 minutes a night and be a, a a breakthrough candidate this year." Like, I just don't know how you can view that looking at this roster. And you have to think. I mean, Cassidy typically likes to roll, uh, you know, all of his defensemen. He's not you know, just playing as top four, but it could be a situation this year where you see those top four guys get a million minutes and the bottom two, whoever they are, rarely play. And the, obviously the, the scary part about that is that works great, you know, in January and February and March, but come the playoffs, you know, is, is McAvoy going to be driven into the ground? Is Grizzly, can Grizzly handle, you know, the uptick in minutes, you know, every other night, you know, can Carlo do that? So, to me, obviously, you have a ton of questions on the back end. We've asked them multiple, multiple times at this point. But, you know, Ben Hutton does not move the needle. You know, as Fluto, you know, reported, I think you, you do have to improve. The tra- if you're going to improve, if you want to improve your back end and you feel that Zaborl and Vakaninen are not going to do it because you know what you have in John Moore and Kevin Miller. Uh, and if Ben Hutton came on, you know what you'd have in Ben Hutton. Um, but was, if you feel Zaborl and Vakaninen are not sufficient enough, and Lazan and Clifton, because again, Clifton was a guy who had this incredible playoff run in 2019, and we're like, "Holy crap, this kid is the is a future piece!" Yes. Oh my god! And he came out, and and it was much different during the regular season. Maybe you know we were drinking too much of the, the Kool Aid, so to speak. But mm-hmm. um, you know, if that's the case, then you do have to improve through the trade market if you feel that you know those guys are not sufficient enough. Um, and if you want to go for a cup this year, and you want to, you know, again, I mean, these. These defense, you know, your defensive core is not going to have an easy time facing Ovechkin, Crosby, Drew, Voracek, Couturier, that line. You know, I mean, in terms of matchups, it's not getting easier. And in fact, I think actually this is maybe a topic we should dive a little deeper into in a future episode. But in terms of matchups, you know, defense versus offense, obviously, I think, you know, not facing the Lightning is, is an upgrade. But you know, you're facing Ovechkin and Kuznetsov and Tom Wilson. Mm-hmm. You're facing Crosby and Malkin. You're facing uh, the, the, the Couturier line. You know, you're facing, um, you know, you're facing better, more spread out talent. And those are not going to be easy matchups. Yeah. So to me, you know, you do have to, I, I do think you do have to tra- make a trade to try to shore up the back end. It's just the problem is with who? Yeah. With who do you make that trade? Obviously, Hannafin gets brought up every time the Bruins are in need of a defenseman to trade for. It's always Noah Hannafin. He'll yeah. never, he'll never come. He will never be here ever. Maybe that's not true, but it feels like he's one of those guys. We'll, we'll, we'll clip. We'll we'll take that clip out when when the yes. trade inevitably happens. But that that'll be clipped. But yes, uh, Ben Hutton is not sufficient enough, uh, and it feels like this team really needs to shore up the back end. It also feels like Chara is gone now. What does Chara do? We'll end the show on this. What does Chara do? Does he retire? Does he go play for the San Jose Sharks, the Toronto Maple? Like, what does he? Where does he go? Yeah, I mean, it, it would. I would be surprised. Like, out of the three scenarios, right, of him retiring, 
him signing back with the Bruins or him signing elsewhere. I feel like signing elsewhere is the least likely. I mean, just in terms of uh, as much as I think, you know, obviously Char is a, a fantastic, you know, competitor and, you know, still I think believes he can contribute to a team. I don't see a situation in which Chara, you know, who's him and his family have their roots settled in Boston, uh, goes somewhere else for, you know, a year, you know, even let's, let's say a, a best case scenario of like a team like Colorado, like a Stanley cup favorite or, or something like that. Um, I don't know how he just, um, you know, packs up and goes to Colorado for a year, especially this year where travel and all, and all this stuff, uh, with his family settled here. I don't see that being a situation for him, um, to, to do a, a move like that, even if, uh, you know, as a, a team was to give an offer like that. Um, and then you look at maybe he, with Colorado, he'd be in kind of the same role he'd be here, right. As a third pairing kind of depth guy, does he want to go to Ottawa, you know, back where, you know, a team that he, he played with previously to get top pairing minutes at 43 years old. Maybe that's what he wants to do. Again, do you want to deal with all of the, you know, the kind of bullshit of moving around and doing this stuff this year, especially for a team that's not that good. Like you kind of go through different scenarios and it seemed like the most likely uh, situation is he either comes back, um, which is, I, I feel like the Bruins are still more or less waiting for him to give his, his decision more than them being like, all right, Char, like, you know, we're not answering your phone calls. We're, we're moving on. Like, I feel like they, we're ghosting, they yeah. He, yeah, I feel like they want to see what, uh, what he's thinking first, but, um, I would personally be surprised if he signs elsewhere, especially if, if the hang up is minutes or a role. I don't know how, you know, it, maybe he, he does prioritize that and he goes to a, a bootleg team like San Jose or something like that. But that would just be a kind of a, a, a disappointing end to a, a fantastic tenure here. Right. If he just goes elsewhere, just because there's more minutes with a team that has no chance of getting close to the playoffs this year. Yeah, I, I wouldn't understand that move. Again, you're 43. You're, you're uprooting your family to Ottawa, San Jose. Like, it doesn't make any sense, especially in a pandemic. Um, to me, it makes no sense for him to retire uh, if this doesn't work out. If the Bruins are kind of like, we really don't have a spot for you, just retire. I, I don't know why. Like, you know, you've had the career. You have the Stanley Cup. You, you know, you're a first ballot Hall of Famer by far. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the greatest ever. End it there. Um, but again, as we know with Chara, if there's anyone who wouldn't do that, it is Zdeno Chara himself. Um, but yes, I don't see him going to like the Toronto Maple Leafs or, you know, the, the New York Rangers. Uh, I just, I don't see it happening. It'd be very odd too to see Chara in like a different uniform after all these years, and, yes. you know, out there hobbling around for like the, the Arizona Coyotes. But uh, at any rate, that is today's Bruins beat. Uh, Connor, before you go, is there anything that you would like to plug? Yeah, we're going to keep on breaking down this roster, especially with training camp currently slated to start uh, this upcoming weekend. So uh, we'll be breaking down breakout candidates, a few of the pressing questions facing this team before training camp gets underway. So you can uh, view all that over at bostonsportsjournal.com. Subscribe there. You can also follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Do all that. And for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. (laughs) 